Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. In the next hour, it's expected that Derek Carr will be released by the Las Vegas Raiders and immediately become a free agent that could help one of several teams elevate their game. But we'll get to that in a moment. We have breaking news in the NFL. This Justin, according to Adam Schefter, the Cardinals are finalizing a deal with former Eagles defensive co- coordinator Jonathan Gannon to become their new head coach. The last head coaching opening of this hiring cycle is being filled, and the Eagles are now losing both their defensive and offensive coordinators 48 hours after losing the Super Bowl. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and AC. I'm not sure this is surprising news. If you'd asked me 20, 30 minutes ago, we expected it. It's now official, though. What I think was the most difficult opening to fill because of the injury to Kyler Murray has now been filled and the Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon goes from leading a defense that got after the quarterback in ways we haven't seen in ages this year to becoming the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And Fitz, this is what happens when you have a ton of success, right? With one football team, whether you're on that coaching staff, the quality control coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, uh, assistant head coach. When you have a ton of success and you have the year that the Philadelphia Eagles were able to have, you're going to lose people. You're going to lose people coaching staff-wise. And unfortunately for the Eagles, they lost both guys, but happy for Shane Steichen and also Jonathan Gannon for getting head coaching jobs. Now the Eagles as an organization – They're on the clock to see who their next two coordinators are going to be, offensively and defensively. Now, when it comes to Jonathan Gannon uh, being the Arizona Cardinals' next head coach, you do have Kyler Murray, in which he's not going to play this season, right? We know that. He's coming off an ACL injury, and when he's the franchise quarterback, you want to make sure he's 100% before he goes back out out there on the football field. My thing is, who is he going to bring with him also from the Eagles staff now he's also he's also coached a lot of different places um, for a lot of uh, a lot of different teams. So and he's built relationship with other guys. But I want to know from the Eagles staff who is he going to bring over? Is it going to be someone that? You know, the Eagles want to hire as their next offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator because I can't help but think the offensive system with the Eagles, he's he's going to probably want to run that same offense with Kyler Murray when he gets back with the Arizona Cardinals. So now that that's the next thing that I'm looking for. Who he's going to hire as a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, and how are they going to be able to do things? What kind of system is it going to be? This becomes a an arms race, too, because I, I say this a lot, and I, I hope fans hear this. I've talked to a lot of people involved in the hiring process over years. You come in with sort of a plan, a book. Who's your staff going to be? How do you manage everything? What are you going to do every day, right? But That staffing book is huge. So when I see new head coaches struggling to fill their staffs, I get nervous because that means that maybe that guy didn't have as much uh, of an idea of who was going to be able to work for him, who he could realistically get. That's part of the sales pitch. Now you're going to have a bit of an arms race as you have one coordinator go to the Colts job that has tremendous uh, familiarity with the Eagles staff. You have one coordinator go to the Cardinals job that has tremendous familiarity with the, the Eagles staff. And you've got the Eagles trying to fill their staff. It is going to be about, for all of those people that have been in the room that have relationships, you're now going to be getting texts 
all at once from Gannon, from Steichen, and from Sirianni about what your new role can be, and you're going to have to pick that. Like This is going to be interesting to me because we're going to find out quickly how much of a plan each of these coaches have that are new to their spots and how much of a succession plan the Eagles can actually get done quickly in a year where the Eagles could be facing a rebuild with all of this going on. And I think the the process of hiring a head coach, I I can't imagine that any one of these organizations are going to hire somebody who doesn't have a plan and who they want to bring on their coaching staff. I I, I can't imagine that. Um, Those two guys going into their interviews – they have to have have to have had plans on who they potentially want on their coaching staff and who they're going to try to target and go get to be along their coaching staff as well. Yeah, and it's just going to be interesting to see because you're right. Systems will matter so much. We talked earlier about the system that we've seen run offensively uh, by the Eagles and how it will now become part of the Colts culture, especially when you've got somebody like Jonathan Taylor. And then you have the Cardinals out here trying to figure out what their system is while they're tweeting out pictures of Rihanna giving her, you know, Rihanna on a focused badassery look like I don't even know what to call that look other than laser beam focus coming from Rihanna I mean the Cardinals right now uh, they can feel swaggy all day long the fact is it took them a minute to find their coach now they are going to have to fill their staff quickly and I think teams that hired this late are a little behind the eight ball across the board in hiring their staffs and they better have a plan on what the hell they're doing at quarterback that's a temporary plan because you ain't taking that job from Kyler Murray long term right now well I think also when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals it's important who you bring in as your offensive coordinator as well because we've seen the offense do some great things early in the season but fade away towards the middle and late in the season in previous years with Calamari at the ham. So you also, I think, you need a guy who's strong-minded, who is who, an alpha, who can get the best out of the players but also understand players. So he's an alpha but not too much. Because this generation of, of, of players are just a little different than, you know, back in the day. So you, I just think the offensive coordinator position is going to be a key one because of Kyler Murray being at the quarterback position. And I understand he's not probably going to play this season, but it's not just about this season. It's about the duration of the time that Jonathan Gannon is going to be there and what he's going to be able to provide within hiring an offensive coordinator, a quarterback coach, to help Kyler Murray in his progression. And, and, and when you say this, Harry, it sort of blows my mind on, on one of the reasons this job was so complicated. You're stuck with Kyler Murray, right or wrong, love or hate, for the next two years. He's not getting on the field this year. So if you're if you're a coach, you had to come in with a plan that you could sell to the Cardinals ownership of how you were going to coach effectively this year without your starting quarterback, which is impossible for most teams to do. So you better have a stopgap option, like I said before. I, I'd keep an eye on Gardner Minshew because uh, obviously Gannon knows him well, having faced him every day in practice, if there's anything there. But then the next year, you don't know what version of Kyler Murray you're going to get. He's still going to be learning how to actually execute your offense on the field because he won't have been on the field during that process. So, like, you're a coach. You better be. You better have a contract that's ironclad for six years because it's going to take two years for you to even figure out what the hell you got at quarterback. Well, I think for Kyler Murray, I think this is going to be a major mental year for him. And still being engaged, even when you're not out there on the football field playing, being engaged, understanding the offense, being on the same page with your offensive coordinator, being on the same page with your head coach, even though he's a defensive guy, and understanding the system and what the system is made for. But I will feel very encouraged if I'm Kyler Murray because I know what just transpired with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's if Jonathan Jonathan Gannon decides to bring in somebody from that system over to Arizona. I will feel great as Kyler Murray 
going into that system, can you imagine him doing the things that Jalen Hurts were, were, was able to do with his running ability? But that, but now what you're talking about only opens my eyes to what we talked about earlier in the week. Athletic quarterbacks that can beat you multiple ways have become yep. such a sales pitch that as a coaching staff, you better have a plan on who you're bringing over that will help you execute Jalen Hurts like RPO stuff. Like when you start talking about who Kyler Murray is as a quarterback, you got to hire coaches that instead of coming in and saying, "Hey, this guy's going to run my system," they're going to come in and say, "I see the ten unique things about this quarterback, and this is the way we can maximize that." Like. Like, that's such a different guess what? way of coaching. And guess what? The good coaches know how to adjust. They know how to adjust their system and make their system work with the players. Not just say, this is my system and this is what we're going to run. They understand the strengths and the weaknesses of the players on their team, 1 through 53, and they make the system uh, adapt if needs be. Well, and every time you hire a coach with a specialized focus on one side of the ball, the immediate question becomes, who's their coordinator on the other side of the ball, right? Like, that's part of the reason that what you're saying makes so much sense, that if you're Jonathan Gannon and you're the new head coach, just announced the breaking news, Jonathan Gannon, no longer the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, he is now the head coach of Should the I Arizona call him right Cardinals. Now? You just you, call, call Gannon you think, and just you think, be like, you think he'll answer right now if just, I called him right just now? Just call him live on air? I don't think we're allowed to. I mean, I, you just call him and be like, yo, 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 we can do whatever we want. Evan's like, yes, get get coach well, on. He, he, he did tell me before the Super Bowl because I wanted him to come on, but he told me at when as soon as they got done, he's like, hey, man, in the offseason, I'll come on whenever you want me to. Well, it's the offseason now, JG. That's what we call I mean, JG. JG. And when I ring, I need you to pick up. JG said whenever you want to. So all I'm hearing is first exclusive interview with the new coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I'm uh, off tomorrow. I would prefer this to happen before 3 o'clock today. Oh, look. Look at this. Look, <laughs> Evan I would is like just... to send out the show sheet, not Devin. Yeah. I would love for it to happen tomorrow, too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, we'll take him today and tomorrow. We'll take him every day. I mean, uh, so all of this is on the heels of the breaking news. John, Jonathan Gannon, no longer the, defe- the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. He is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He's not the only coordinator the Eagles have lost today and Harry points out that the other hire could lead to a former NFL MVP changing teams this offseason. You'll hear about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You just presume that all middle-aged white guys are walking around with some, like, 80s gel and some, like, weird mousse? Do you use spritz? No, I don't spritz. I don't spritz. You're the one that was Epsom salting your feet in a tub last night. Yes. And you're talking to me about spritzing? Yes. I buy cleaning you stuff. Supplies. Supplies. There we go. Supplies. As soon as I land in every city, I disinfect the restroom. The bathtub and everything. So, you know, I have a nice size tub because, you know, I had a sweet room. I put some Epsom salt in there, some um, alcohol and peroxide as well. Mixed it all in together. And also little bubbles and had my little candles lit in there. I had a nice little bromance with myself. I'm just saying maybe it's a cultural difference. But if you walk into my bathroom and I've got Epsom salt... 
Clorox, gloves, bleach, brushes. Everybody's definitely going to think I'm a serial killer. Like, everybody's going to think I'm Dexter at that point. That, that's fact. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, were presented by Progressive Insurance. The breaking news that we have over the course of the last couple of hours that you need to know, Shane Steichen is no longer the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles as he is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. We'll get to that one in a second. And the breaking news from the last couple of minutes, Jonathan Gannon, no longer the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, as he has taken the head coaching spot with the Arizona Cardinals. We grow the Wolf Pack by one. It's time to hang out with Great Field Yates, co-host of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. All right, Field, let's start with Gannon. What's it mean for Kyler Murray, in your mind, to have a new coach come in when he's injured, won't get to play much in this system? What should we expect? I think, first of all, great to be on, as always, guys. And I love the fact that as you have more shows, it gives you more fodder for those promos with Harry sharing his thoughts on, I guess, staying in a hotel in a city and how he immediately goes to Target and buys cleaning products, which I respect that dedication, Harry. I would not nearly – I wouldn't have nearly that kind of patience to do so. But, anyways, I digress. Um, As far as what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals now, I think one of the major understandings as coaches were going through the process is that they need to be ready and buckled up for this to take some time. The roster was in this weird spot at the end of last season where not only was Kyler Murray out due to an ACL tear, but a lot of their key players on both sides of the ball are veterans who probably were on the wrong side of the proverbial sort of golf course. They're on the back nine, so to speak. And others like A.J. Green and J.J. Watt, Watt, who was still making plenty of of an impact on that team, uh, are retired. So it's going to take some time. Like, it's going to take some time. You're going to have to strip some things down before you could actually build this thing back up, especially in a division that had two playoff teams last year and the defending Super Bowl champ from a year ago. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a long view kind of hire. Now, Phil, I want to talk about the Colts for a second. And my theory on Lamar Jackson uh, ended up there. If the Baltimore Ravens decide that they don't want to pay Lamar Jackson, right, and they they want to trade him, I think the Indianapolis coach trading for Lamar Jackson makes sense, especially since Shane Steichen became the head coach and what we've seen he was able to do with Jalen Hurts at the helm at the quarterback position in Philly. Also, they own the Colts, that is, the number four pick overall. That's one of the first-round draft picks that actually could go to Baltimore in which they can use that pick to take a quarterback. Tell me my thinking is right. (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, Harry, your thinking is generally right. So I can just sort of default to that by nature. Um, This is just a guess. And we're a long ways away from Lamar Jackson even being on the trading block or eventually traded. So we are putting the cart before the horse proverbially. That being said, I think that if the Baltimore Ravens were to entertain the possibility of trading Lamar Jackson, they might be motivated to find an NFC team before they allow him to any AFC team. Because obviously you'd only play him once every four years unless you were meeting in the Super Bowl, as opposed to potentially every year when you play in the same conference as that team. So uh, I'm not saying the Colts don't make sense because they do for some of the reasons that you laid out that number four overall pick being a particularly juicy selection that could be sent to Baltimore. But I do think that 
if Baltimore ever goes that route, they will look at the 16 teams in the NFC before they do the other 15 teams in the AFC. You just just mentioned the number four pick, and I know you're early in your draft breakdown, but one thing that Harry and I love is we get to work with Field on the NFL draft every year. Um, uh, Give me your thoughts. When you look at the top of this draft class, do you see somebody in a world where you're trying to compete with Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, I mean, go up and down the list in the AFC, do you see those guys at the top of this class? Um, yeah, I mean, there are obviously four quarterbacks that I think are bound to go in the first round, three for certain. Uh, those three, Bryce Young and also C.J. Stroud and also Will Levis, and in some order to be determined over the next two and a half months with Anthony Richardson uh, from Florida also very much in that first round mix. We do not have a Trevor Lawrence prospect in the sense that no matter what happens for the next two and a half months, that player should be expected to go number one overall. Um, I think that there is going to be some very interesting months ahead because uh, on film, Bryce Young had the most impressive career, and I'm not sure it's really that close. But as we all know, a couple of things happened during the pre-draft process, one of which is the physical testing portion. And having spent time uh, in person with both Bryce Young and Will Levis, you are seeing the opposite ends of the spectrum in physical build. And Bryce Young is, I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's like my size, you know, like a 5'11", 170-pound type guy. He's probably thicker, he probably weighs more than that, but he is not imposing in the way that you would expect a lot of NFL quarterbacks to be. So I think these next couple of months will be interesting. I'll be curious how, if at all, they change the discourse on those two prospects specifically. Now, when it comes to the exclusive tag versus the non-exclusive tag, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, which one would you use on Lamar? So I would be using the non-exclusive franchise tag, and the reason why is that would allow a team to make an offer to Lamar Jackson that I could just match, right? You could almost let somebody else negotiate the contract for you. Now, you do run the risk that somebody else is willing to give Lamar a fully guaranteed contract, which up to this point you have not been willing to do. Um, That being said, I think that if that's what it takes to get this multi-year agreement, probably four or five years, um, I think it makes more sense to just apply that non-exclusive franchise tag to kind of get this ball rolling further. It also, if he ends up playing on the tag, is worth quite a bit less for this year, which helps Baltimore because if you have a player on a franchise tag, you're carrying whatever his salary is as a full cap hit. If Baltimore, you know, most quarterbacks in the, you know, are not, not going to have a uh, 30 or 35 or $38 million cap hit um, in the first year of a contract, which obviously a franchise tag deal is only one year, but that's typically when teams have been budgeting it out for multiple years, like Patrick Mahomes in the third year of his extension right now, or Josh Allen eventually in the third year of extension next year. That's when you tend to see those cap hit spikes. So I think there are some advantages to using that non-exclusive franchise tag. Okay, so i got to ask you about Derek Carr. Ex- expectation he gets released in the next couple hours. But here's the thing. If you're the Jets and you know you need a quarterback and you know you might not get an answer on Aaron Rodgers for several weeks, but you got to move right now on Derek Carr, what do you do? Uh, Pitts is a great question. You have to move. You have to. You just you can't afford to, right? Because if you bypass Derek Carr for the chance to get Aaron Rodgers and then you get left out in the cold and instead you're choosing from other options, like 
you can't do it. You, you just can't do it. You have to take what is available. Um, I, I just would say that, uh, well, Derek Carr may not be perfect. If you believe he's good enough to help you win a Super Bowl, uh, which because obviously the expectation now is changing dramatically in New York, I think you have to be prepared to act fast because uh, in the NFL quarterback market, it's not the time to be selective. You kind of have to take what's available. Field, as always, my friend, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks so much for your expertise and insight. Thanks. Uh, have a great week, brother. All right, guys. Sounds good. Take care. Be sure to check out the Fantasy Focus football podcast. Field Yates also first draft. He's out everywhere working hard. Fitz and Harry's presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive commercial insurance keeps your policy within reach with their easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at Progressive.com. We continue to inch up on the deadline for Derek Carr. The question is, where should he go? Who has the best opportunity to win with him? We'll figure it out. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. In the next couple of hours, Derek Carr will hit the open market. And when he does, several teams that feel like they're a quarterback away from taking that next leap are going to be wildly interested. The question is, where should he go and how should everyone approach it? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. I, I Let me be loud on this for a second, Harry, because like this is that moment where there are a lot of Raiders fans, and everybody at this point I think knows my fandom, but there are a lot of Raiders fans, of which I am one, uh, but there are some fans that are out here just yelling about how terrible Derek Carr is because he wasn't good enough for the Raiders to win more football games. I, I want to loudly clap back to that group because what I think has happened is it's become a polarizing argument. So I'm just going to ask everybody for one second to sit down, shut up, color in your books, and acknowledge one thing. All right, Derek Carr may not be Aaron Rodgers. He may not be Patrick Mahomes. He may not be Justin Herbert. But we're sitting here talking about him like he's Jamarcus Russell. He is not. Okay, Derek Carr is a very good quarterback that has some moments that are head scratching and have some moments that make him look like an MVP. That's what the very good quarterbacks do. They're inconsistent. So you're a very good quarterback, but you're inconsistent. That's been on a trash football team. That's been a bad organization for a long time. And I say that as a Raiders fan. Nothing will change the fact that I believe silver and black. I can also be rational enough to look around and be like, man, the Raiders haven't been very good for 20 damn years. So how much of that is on uh, on Derek Carr? A little bit of it. How much of it is on everything else around him? A little bit of it. How much of it is on ownership? A little bit of it. Like when you suck, the blame gets spread around. I just got to quiet. I like I got to loudly say that because Derek Carr is about to hit the open market. And I, I say anything on my mentions and people are like, oh, he's no good. They'll never win with him. Like, let's be real. If the Jets almost went to the playoffs with Zach freaking Wilson as their quarterback, they would be better with Derek Carr, and that's not even a hot take. Man, they, they ticked you off, huh? I mean, they ticked you off, my man. I mean, I, that, that, I'm just saying, like, let, we make these things so complicated. Like, uh, but I, I love the fact you said it with your chest, too. Like, you, you said it with your chest. You know what? I'm out here. I'm just out. I'm, <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I'm out in these streets now. That's what's happening. I'm out Hold in these streets. I'm out here. He said, I'm out here. Oh, I'm, my God. I I'm out in these streets. Please I clip that you, off. Fitz. Evan and Devin, please clip that off. Please. Oh, man. All right. He said, well, I'm out here, baby. I'm and, out here. And I'm going to say this. I think if the Jets pass on Derek Carr because they think they can get Aaron Rodgers, that is a stupid decision. 
because you are putting all of your chips into the the possibility that you might be able to convince a player that needs four days in darkness to decide if he even wants to play or where he wants to play, that not only should he not play in Green Bay, but he should play with the Jets. And to do that, to take that risk, you are telling your fans that they might have to be okay with Zach Stinkin' Wilson as your quarterback. That's bad football management. If you got a chance at improvement, go improve your damn team. Well, I would say this. If Aaron Rodgers wants to be in the dark and, and want darkness, why don't he go visit the black hole with the Raiders? I mean, I, I thought you were going to go in a total different direction with that. <laughs> like, I, I was just like, I, I don't even understand what I, I don't even understand what he's going to accomplish four days in darkness. Again, as a kid that grew up with not a lot, usually uh, four days in darkness meant mom and dad couldn't pay the electric bill. Uh, Dominique Foxworth disagrees with me. ESPN football analyst on Get Up. He made it clear that he thinks the Jets absolutely need to be selective here and hold out for the great A.A. Ron. It's a risky game, and I think you take the risk, you take the gamble to go for someone like Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. with the ceiling that he has. I think you get Aaron Rodgers, you automatically become like legitimate Super Bowl contenders. You get Derek Carr, you say, well, we got a chance. It's very different if you can get Aaron Rodgers, a healthy Aaron Rodgers, a focused, potentially motivated Aaron Rodgers. Those back-to-back MVP seasons we got Aaron Rodgers was on the heels of him feeling disrespected by a draft pick. There's a chance that he goes on his darkness retreat and he comes out ready to scorch the whole earth because he gets if he gets moved I, I understand what he's saying he, he he's basically saying there like Aaron Rodgers we have a guy who's won the MVP multiple times we do know that Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl we know throws on a football field Aaron Rodgers makes only Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert can make Right, we we know that when it comes to Derek Carr, Derek Carr has only been to the one, 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 he's played one, 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 but, but but he helped get them the first time yeah, before yeah. he lost to Houston. Right, right. Um, he Thanks has for bringing that MVP. memory back. That's fine. I understand what Dom. If you're the J out for the upper echelon guy, based on the total bottle of body of May of a Aaron Rodgers, so I, I understand what he's saying there. I, I I don't totally disagree with it, but here's the problem. Like, I think you have to look at it like you're walking up the quarterback position in general. You look to a table and you're going to gamble a little bit, right? Like, there's a certain spot in that gamble where you realize, like, if you're if you're gambling but you can afford to pay your bills, no big deal. If you're gambling but you can't keep the electricity on, now you got a big deal. Mm-hmm. The Zach Wilson is the equivalent of I'm gambling with my electricity money, and that's always not worth the risk, right? Like, there's this moment where you're walking in saying, I could end up with Zach Wilson, or I could go in, you know, and I was I was at uh, one of the casinos here. It was at Foxwoods a few weeks ago, right? And I was uh, going to see Chris Young play uh, that weekend over at Mohegan. So I'm sitting at the the uh, roulette table, and I like playing roulette, but I don't play a lot of money on roulette, right? Like I just said, there, I got the person next to me constantly putting 100. The, the table max was 200. They were putting 200 on every spin of the roulette table all over the place, and I'm watching them pull cash out over and over and over again. Now, table minimum was 15 bucks. I'm putting 15 bucks out exactly every single time. Table minimum. I'm out there for two hours. I'm, I'm up. Like, I've almost doubled my money in two hours just because I'm barely playing any money. And everybody around me is like, oh, no, man, you got to bet more if you really want to make anything. Or sometimes you just want to stay at the table. The Jets finally go. got to the table. And at some point, <laughs> if you are at the table, and what you need right now is just to stay at the table. And if you can stay at the table and get better, that's what Derek Carr does for them. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers would be a huge home run. But man, you are betting everything. Instead of putting a little money on a lot of bets, you're putting it all on triple zeros, and you're just hoping that you're the one time that it's right.
Well, here's the rebuttal to what I just said against myself. <laughs> you look at the Jets and what the quarterback position didn't do for them this season. I don't think it's going to take much to escalate things in a, in a positive direction from the quarterback position. So Derek Carr would be a major upgrade over Zach Wilson and Mike White. I just understand. I understand where, where Dom's coming from. You, you, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, a guy that has done it before. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been an MVP. So you, you're going for the you're going for the girl that's not a not a not a 10 on the on a scale to one to 10 but she's a, a quarter piece she's far from a dime instead of going from the eight or the nine that Derek Carr is yeah well look I no, mean, we talk we talking about football because I ain't judging no man looks now no 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 but, <laughs> but from a football standpoint he's the Victoria's Secret supermodel but he's also kind of crazy and so you're gonna have to deal with all that and she might flake and she might not show up to the date but you're gonna pass on this love that you got over here that's pretty good I personally wouldn't do it I think I think the Jets make tremendous sense for Derek Carr, but I think there are a ton of teams, whether it's the Jets, whether it's the Saints, whether it's the Buccaneers, uh, he would be an upgrade across the board for a lot of teams that need a quarterback that might not be top 10, but is definitely top half of the league. And top half of the league is enough to make you competitive. I, that's the, the the absolute portion of this to me that I think we really have to focus on is that it makes you competitive. Speaking of becoming competitive, over the course of the day, it's possible that a team that you saw just on Sunday, a team you saw in the Super Bowl might not even be competitive next year. We'll tell you why. Plus, we just found out Devin's rich. We'll get into all of it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. One, two, three. 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 Three is a magic number. All if the Ravens don't want to pay Lamar Jackson and they feel like they don't want to, you know, basically give him what he's demanding and what he's asking for, then you go to the next best case scenario. And if for them, you would end up getting the number four pick and whatever first round draft pick after that. Now, you have, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you're in a position to where you can take a young quarterback with that fourth pick. And if you don't uh, see anybody that you want to fit your mold, you can move back and possibly take somebody or go about it however you may want to do it. But I do believe the the Indianapolis Colts with Shane Steichen being their head coach right now and what he was able to do with Jalen Hurts and with the Philadelphia Eagles, I think it makes the most sense if the Ravens decide to go another direction. Three hours later. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. By the way, Todd McShay, Mock Draft. Tomorrow, I think we're going to talk to Todd, but either way, we're going to talk uh, all sorts of mock draft. You know, uh, believe me, uh, A, as we keep talking about, we're two guys that cover the draft every year. B, we're two guys that cover college football every year, so we'll have a lot to say about a lot of these players. C, my favorite team sucks every year, so I always read these mock drafts trying to figure out who we're going to take. Like every once a decade, I get some piece where the Raiders don't pick in the top 10, but uh, that's that's all I can ask for. So we'll have plenty of mock draft for you uh, tomorrow. But one thing that we don't even have to mock is the, uh, the Eagles right now going through a bit of a transition, and I think this is important, Harry, coming off the Super Bowl 
loss because let's remember that continuity means something when you start talking about teams trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Well, now not, not only do we know that the Eagles are going to be rebuilding much of their roster, we also know they're going to be figuring out how to pay Jalen Hurts. We also know now that they'll be replacing their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. Their offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, leaves to become the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. This is about as much of a rebuild as you can be asked to do in in the matter of days coming off the Super Bowl. Yeah, Fitz, and you talk about the multiple and a ton of guys that, that, that are going to be free agents this year as well that played meaningful snaps for this football team. And for the Eagles as an organization, right, what you want, in a positive direction is consistency, right? How consistent can you be within your team when it comes to winning and competing for a Super Bowl and making the playoffs year in and year out? And we were able to see this season in 2022-2023 season that the Philadelphia Eagles were phenomenal, top to bottom, right? From their coaching staff, from their players to the front office. Now you're going to have some change. you got a ton of free agents. You have your two coordinators gone. What are they going to do? How are they going to rebuild this thing out? Who are they going to bring up to those two positions, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, to, you know, help propel this team to continue uh, a a base of consistency? Because a lot of people, um, well, I see a lot of people in the Eagles organization don't want to hear that, hey, we were a one-hit wonder this season. And I don't personally want to see this team, especially with Jalen Hurts at the helm, not be a team that can compete next year or even not even make the playoffs because I think Jalen Hurts is at a, at a point in his career to where he can take off even further. Now it's all about who's the next guy that's going to be able to be in his ear, left and right, outside of Nick Sariani. But then when you look at the defensive ball, who didn't defensive side of the ball, who didn't have a good showing in the Super Bowl, who's going to be the next guy up to get those guys, especially those young players, veteran players. I'm not worried about. It's the young players that 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 concerns me on that roster. And they they had a few of them that they drafted last year. They brought over other guys from other places. But who's going to be those voices in those players' ears from a leadership standpoint on the offensive side and the Well, I think there's some element of this, too, where this becomes the true uh, measure of an organization, because having success is different than sustaining success. We've seen this from the Buccaneers who had a path. They went all in with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of veteran players. They risked everything to win a Super Bowl. It worked. It's worth it. Fine. The Rams did the same thing. It's worth it. Fine. The Chiefs we talked about last week have done things differently because they've been able to make the most of so many players and they have arguably, well, they have right now the best quarterback and the best coach, right? So that gives them the best quarterback-coach combo. At this point for the Eagles, you're going to have to have that sort of a situation. This is what happens when you start to get success. Then you better be able to, A, sustain some some sort of continuity on your staff, but you better be able to rise as a coach and rise as a quarterback in a way that no matter what you put around them, you better, like it puts more pressure on the front office, on the coaching staff, on everybody else that wears an Eagles polo to work every day than just the people that wear Eagles jerseys to work every day. Because now is when everybody else has to hit singles constantly doubles constantly they can't strike out and is that probably why Jalen Hurts was telling Nick Sirianni to put his hand down when he was waving hey calm down man there's a possibility we can lose a lot of damn people including coaches just relax before people try to pay us back the following season if we're not on point on our P's and Q's yeah and, and like you talk so much about some of the draft successes and we've talked about the developmental successes that, that, that deserve some credit here Howie Roseman did a really nice job of combining not only hitting home runs in the draft but also uh, frankly getting a coaching staff 
staff that's developed Jalen Hurts really well and also hitting huge home runs with trades for guys like A.J. Brown. You're going to have to do that consistently. And the more, once you start paying your quarterback and you start losing people, now you got to do that every single offseason. That's just not easy to do. No, and I'll tell you, with their first two draft picks, and then a lot of this is going to be depending on if Kelsey comes back, is Samalo another one of their offensive linemen? If he comes back, should they go offensive line or should they go? They got two free agent linebackers. They drafted one in the Kobe Dean last year, but do they go a linebacker with one of those picks? And do they, do they also go, you know, another defense in with one of those uh, first two first round draft picks? Because you got Brandon Graham, you got Javon Hargrave, you got also Fletcher Cox. Um, all of these guys are free agents, and you're not going to be able to re-sign every single last one of them. So you're going to have to be able to replace them. So do they go linebacker, defense in with their first two draft picks or? Or do they go uh, in one defensive draft pick in an offensive lineman with that second first-round draft pick? It's up in the air, but a lot of it is based on what they do free agent-wise as well. But also think about like benefit of the doubt that, that Roseman's going to get a little bit because when Jordan Davis went down, uh, the superstar interior lineman right goes down, and they're having a hard time stop, stopping the run. They acquire players that could help them stop the run Right then. They were out there on the open market, could have played for yep. anybody. The Eagles had done a nice job of managing their roster through the course of the season, so I think they get a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but man, for a defending Super Bowl team, not a champion, but for a defending NFC champion, they're going to have a lot of work to do this offseason, more than, t- more than usual. A ton, but I'll tell you, one thing I learned about Howie Roseman is that he's not afraid to you know, go all out. He's not afraid to go all out and, and do what he needs to do for his team to be successful. Isn't that also part of what we talk about constantly when you talk about the culture of organizations? Like there are certain organizations that that their culture speaks to, we are going to do whatever it takes, we are going to put the fire in, and we are going to find a way to win. He wasn't scared like Jerry Jones was. Oh, oh, look look at that. Just throwing that out. as well. I mean, Jerry Jones will have the chance to defend himself. He joins Kenny and Carlin. Don't forget to hang out. Thanks for listening to Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.